Hello everyone and welcome back to Video Games Are the Worst Thing on Earth. This is a continu- the uh, day one patch, if you will, <laughs> of our first, the first part of our Cyberpunk 2077 episode because there was just too much to cover in one episode. So we gave ourselves a little break, we freshened up, Kay dressed Skittles in a little Pikachu costume, giving us all amazing podcasting powers. And so we're ready for part two. Oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm yeah, I'm I'm moderately ready. Alright, so just to give a little recap, we gave the story so far, like the lead up to the release, then the uh the absolute madness that was people attacking games critics for giving the game a low score before they'd even played it. And then the immediate like turnaround on that, which was like people being like, oh, maybe this reviewer is actually right. And then the kerfuffle with like the PS4 and Xbox One's versions. So that leads us up to discussions. Like we've covered all like the serious stuff, right? So now we get to go into what is probably the best part of this release, which is, in my opinion, the bugs. Uh, real quick, Ooh. sorry. Um, I, I just want to point out that in between the short time that we uh, took a break between recordings, the discourse on the reviews has continued because really? Defector, the, that new uh, like uh, outlet from the Deadspin people, published an article that was like, everybody who gave Cyberpunk a good score is a sellout clown. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I fuck. Can we read this article? I I'm not very familiar with the defector. I think that perhaps it is an unfair criticism of, of reviewers. At the same time, it is very funny. Like, I mean, we discussed on the last episode, like the all the the pressures in place to to keep them giving it a good score. But at the same time, There's... there was a lot of one hundreds. Yeah, on that Medicaid. There was thing. so like, fucking many. Come right. the fuck up. W- would one of you like to do us the honors? I would love. I would love to hear this. Okay, uh, I I will read this since right. I brought it up. At least now you know which video game reviewers are sellout clowns by Albert Burinko or Burneko. Sorry. Right. After years of hype, one of the biggest publicity and marketing campaigns any video game has ever received, and roughly eight million pre-orders, CD Projekt Red released. Blah blah blah. It's a mess where it reportedly performs better on uh, high-end gaming PCs. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 turns out to fall wildly short of the supposed revolutionary ambition and advancement promised by its hype. If the game itself is a mess, it is. I just said so in the previous paragraph. (laughs) The fallout from its release is an even bigger one. Sony took the rare step of yanking Cyberpunk 2077 from the online PlayStation Store. Microsoft has offered full refunds to Xbox players who purchased the game digitally, and the share value of CD Projekt Red's parent company, CD Projekt, crashed throughout last week. As Jason Schreier reported for Bloomberg News, furious CD Projekt Red staffers grilled executives over their company's abusive labor practices. Important to note for a game that received numerous glowing reviews from professional critics prior to its release. As to that, here's a fun passage from Cecil- Cecilia D'Anastasio at Wired. 
In November, CD Projekt Red sent non-disclosure agreements to journalists ahead of Cyberpunk 2070's launch that forbade the inclusion of original gameplay footage in their reviews. They could share screenshots, but the only gameplay footage that they could publish had to come from CD Projekt Red. Infringing obligations in the NDA could amount to around $27,000 per violation. Wow. Yeah. How the fuck are they enforcing that? A fine? Like, they're not the state. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I guess it's in the contract they signed. Like, they agree to pay that much in violation fees if they uh, violate the contract, I guess. Contract law is weird. Yeah. I think the fact that a company could even write a contract like that it, it indicates how much, if, you know, the If the you show your that. own gameplay footage, you have to give just like a huge chunk of money to CD Projekt Red for showing yeah. the game in your review. Jesus. Holy shit. Well, I think, too, is that this is actually pretty common, and I think that... It, to me, it shows more to CD Projekt Red taking what are kind of norms, uh, bad norms, I agree, in the industry, um, and just using them to just shit all over everybody is really funny. That, uh, I don't know, they since there hasn't been any real pushback because the whole industry is built on the, like, day zero hype, right. you know, this, this was going to come one day. Yeah, but just the fact that they can't even, like, record and show their own gameplay footage in a review, something that is extremely important, because it's like, you, it's like, when you talk about something, it's like, oh, such and such thing happened to me, it helps to have footage of that happening. And in this, it's just like, yeah, just use the fucking trailer footage. That's all you get for your review, just looping it over and over and over again. In fact, you don't yeah. even get gameplay footage. Here's just a picture of Keanu Reeves. And if you don't use it, <laughs> we'll find you $10,000. No, more than 10000 Shit. This is ins that's insane. All right, I'll continue. In order to receive an early copy of the game, reviewers had to sign the NDA, which forbade them from showing their readers any actual video of how the game performed. The only credible read on this is that Cyberpunk 2077's creators knew that their game would perform horribly on commonplace hardware and wanted to limit the viral spread of visual evidence until after gamers had already bought hundreds of millions of dollars worth of copies of the game. The logic there is not difficult to figure out. In even the most apocalyptic release scenarios, some number of people who might otherwise have been dissuaded by visual proof that the game would be a glitchy, nigh-unplayable pile of shit would, in absence of that proof, purchase the game and then never get around to seeking a refund, or would seek one but never get further than the first corner of some retailer's labyrinthine return policy before giving up. Parenthetical, you can decide for yourself whether you'd like to call this fraud, quote-unquote. A legally diplomatic sentence. Yeah. That's a... That's just like... <laughs> for legal purposes, we can't call this fraud, but you can decide if you think it's fraud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, might as well have said in Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the tried and true podcaster's resort for giving death threats to the president. <laughs> um, the important thing is, by agreeing to these conditions, reviewers who signed the NDA abandoned any claim to adversarial journalism as well as any utility they might have had to their readers and our clowns. 
<laughs> Get them. More than any particular condition of the NDA, what invalidates the product review of a reviewer who has signed the NDA is what that act represents. A negotiated agreement between a journalist and the powerful company on whose product they're reporting to serve the company's interest before the readers. It might as well have been an employee contract. Oh my god. This is savage. I love this. Yeah. It's fucking, like, ripping them. And, like, you know, they can... Like, here's the thing. They're heavily incentivized to agree to whatever draconian measures the publisher can dish out. Because so much of the traffic generated by these reviews happens in, like, the first day. Like, if you're not the first, there, there's basically a huge drop-off in views from, like, the first yeah. review versus, like, the second. So if you're not, like, within that first, like, two-hour time frame of when the NDA drops, you're basically just sacrificing a ton of viewership. So it's hard to blame these people, like, the journalists a little bit because it's like, well, you kind of have to eat. But I don't think this was made by, like, these decisions are not made by the journalists. Like, let's be clear here. They all work for publishers, usually. Yeah. And have parent companies associated with them. And so, unless they wanted to, like, I, I don't know, I guess maybe they could work on a different game or possibly get fired, they kind of have to agree to the NDAs. I, I would yeah. also say that they probably don't actually consider themselves journalists just for reviewing a game. You know, it, it if you are re reviewing AAA games for IGN, you're not a you are not a journalist. You know, maybe yeah. there are game journalists who do reviews who are a part of this. Um, but I, I I think that while this article is mean, and I enjoy that, <laughs> even yeah. if I even if I don't necessarily if I don't necessarily agree with the slant, it's. 100% true that there is an extremely connected relationship between the game companies and the, the reviewers that the reviewers mm -hmm. don't push back on in any meaningful way. You know, it's the thing with like Last of Us Part Two, where everybody, you know, went apeshit over the uh, conditions in the game and, you know, maybe the, some of the story presentation stuff. And then they're you know, all of the outlets, you know, named it game of the year. And it's, yeah, it, it only matters to a certain degree. And there's right. maybe a couple of game people out there who complain, but it doesn't really have an impact. That's what's so interesting to me is like uh, IGN and GameSpot are not small. They're mm -hmm. big, they're influential, but it feels like they really have no weight that they can throw around because any company that isn't like a little indie it seems can just completely dictate the terms to them basically yeah and that was what's so stupid about the ethics and game journalism like discourse throughout the past you know seven years is that they're focused mostly on kotaku kotaku and polygon kotakos when they're not nearly as bad as the really big sites like GameSpot and IGN. Mm. Yeah, Polygon um, and, is way fucking better than IGN. Like, oh geez. yeah, it's much better. And, but they have the SJW tinge, so every little part of this that IGN is seven seven thousand times more guilty of, they get mad at Polygon about it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like yeah. literally the only the only publications I can think of that really uh are like actually critical of like triple A games. I, I hate to say it, but it's shit like the Bloomberg review and shit like that. Cause it's like gaming is not their focus. So they don't give a shit if yeah. like publishers try to strong arm them. They're like, we are like a financial reporting magazine with like a little game thing as like a side. And it's kind of sad that that's like the only people who are just like not affected by or not as affected by like the sort of publisher clout. 100% true. I would like to say that um, I would I would say that some of the points made in this article and I would like to, to finish reading it, it they're still applicable because even as like if you don't consider them journalists, which, you know, I think it's fair to say that a lot of them aren't really by like the sort of traditional definitions that you would associate with that of like investigative reporting and shit like that. There are a few mm -hmm. like Jason Schreier, but for the most part, they operate as like consumer reviewers, you know, it's like the people yeah. in magazines who tell you like, okay, this car gets these ratings out of like safety, <laughs> fuel efficiency, handling shit like that. They're supposed to be like that, right? But even on that front, even on that front, they are failing their, the consumers by signing this NDA agreement because they're literally unable to report issues that will seriously affect people's enjoyment of the game. Absolutely. And it, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to me that, um, I feel like we've kind of touched on um, how they're not journalists. It's interesting how the people who are mad at them are always the ones who put journalists onto yeah. them, like Gamergate or even this article. I don't know. I, I, that's that's kind of weird. Yeah, a fucking IGN reviewer is not a journalist, surely. Yeah, it's like it's like calling somebody who does Oscar predictions in People magazine. They're like, this journalist got Best Picture wrong because they're in the pocket of big studio. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. You think anyone who writes about something is a journalist? Like, <laughs> what is that? That's right. Anyone who puts words on a website, you're a journalist. And that, by yeah, that definition, we are all here? journalists. Like, yes, I've put words yeah, on a I, website before. I have a doctorate in journalism, and that's oh, well, exactly Reese, what it means. That, that's what it means. <laughs> Everyone who's ever written on Twitter is in fact is, is, a journalist. <laughs> anybody who has written on Twitter has a doctorate in journalism. Exactly. And can, and can yeah. yell at other people about it. We oh, should all yeah. put journalists in our Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so fucking amazing. People would get so angry, too. Oh, they'd freak like, out. They'd be like, look at these SJW journalists. I um, mean, that's what, that's what conservatives do. Sophia Narwitz considers herself a journalist, and then every single like expose that she does is about how uh, the SJW gaming companies won't hire uh, transphobes or whatever because somebody <laughs> like came out and said that like trans people should be murdered, and they're no. like, all views should be represented at Kotaku.com. <laughs> I'm a journalist. Check my sources. Nice. Yeah, I, like that. I think that is kind of the thing is that um, game journalism really journalism, quote unquote, really springs out of this sort of enthusiast press in a way that a lot of other, I guess, journalists, journalistic sites don't really. 
-hmm. You know, there are a lot of completely useless magazines. Like, believe me, I know. I, I work at an engineering firm, and we get sent, like, Boilers Monthly! And shit like that. <laughs> it's just like, who the fuck reads these? And there's like, uh, there are, this is a million little sh like shitty outlets who are just writing about the most niche things like imaginable. I'm imagining the boiler makers <laughs> being like, do not take any video of our boiler. Do not take any pictures in their. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, it's. We send you. It's the equivalent of calling Movie Bob a journalist. You oh know, it's just God. like it's it, it's hysteric. It's a hysterical misconception yeah. that I think the reviewers themselves do not enjoy. They probably don't encourage it. All right, would you like to finish this article? Yeah, uh, sure. I I, I didn't I didn't actually read it. I just read oh. the headline, so I don't know. I, I think it's fun. Would you like to read the rest of it, Kay? Yeah. Shit. Where were we? Uh... We were right after the employment contract. Okay. All right. How could a reader who'd been made aware of that agreement trust that every sentence of the product review did not reflect a careful compromise between the truth and a company's interest in maximizing its sales? How could a reader possibly hope to parse that out? They couldn't. That's the NDA's utility to the company that insisted upon it. It produces a courtier press. Someone's getting a little fancy Ooh, with the language. Fancy. <laughs> And a public ever more vulnerable to marketing. Oh, hey, apropos of nothing, or apropos, ap apropos. apropos, fuck me, of nothing. Mm -hmm. Thanks to pre-orders, CT Project Red was able to announce that Cyberpunk 2077 had fully recouped the cost uh, of its years-long development by the day after its release. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Eight years of development, like, fucking covered in two days and this is why the minute video games became profitable is the minute like corporate fucking vampires swooped in on it to just suck all the life blood out of it yeah and it's it's such a young industry i guess not so much anymore but it's treated like one that um there's there's no like regulations or standards for a lot of shit like it just those those conversations hadn't been had uh, in, in like the way that they have with film, for example. Um, so it, it's totally fucking Mad Max out here too. Yeah. And it's like, it's wild. Cause like the CEOs of these companies and like, generally speaking, they don't come from like a gaming background. They usually come in like with like business degrees and they're CEOs of like, I don't know, dishwashing companies and shit. Um, so anyway, continuing the article. All reviewers got in exchange for their signature on that NDA, their willing participation in a sales campaign, was the opportunity to publish a few days earlier. Any of them in possession of spines could have simply purchased the game on day of its release. Write it off as a work expense, clowns. <laughs> uh, I mean, as I explained, there are definitely huge downsides to being, like, later. But um, it is true that, like, that's how... You actually get like a decent, an honest review, though. One hundred percent true. An honest review that nobody reads. Yeah, is the, re is the reality. It, it's really like a catch twenty two. Like this whole system is set up to just fuck over somebody somewhere, except for the people with the money. That is mm -hmm. really the setup here, because it's like the publishers. 
okay, let's say you buy it on the day of release. Well, that doesn't really do anyone any good because they've already pre-ordered it. They're hyped for the game. They want to buy it. So all the fucking people who signed this NDA have released their 10 out of 10 game reviews and built up the hype even more. And then you buy it on the day of release, have to like wait a week or so to play it. And by then, everyone already fucking knows there's problems. So it's like... Yeah. I, I respect the point that this article is making, but it really is, like, there's more problems than what they're bringing up. Well, I think, too, that if you're waiting until the day of release before you buy, you're not reading reviews. You can just go on Twitch and check it out, mm -hmm. um, or just the general talk behind it, and you can see for yourself what it looks like, rather than, you know, after a reviewer who bought it day of you know, releases his review, his or her review a week later, mm -hmm. um, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Really, the only people whose reviews have any significant traffic after, like, the initial release are, like, personality reviewers. You know what I mean? Yeah, where you trust their taste specifically. Yeah, exactly. Like, Jacob Geller, uh, Angry Joe, you know, people... Jim Sterling. Jim Sterling. Sure. Well, he doesn't really do reviews anymore, but yeah, at some point, definitely. It does. <laughs> you know, I, I always like to give a shout-out to Giant Bomb. That's my uh, game site of choice, and I think they still do, oh, yeah. do good shit. Jeff Gerstmann is the original ethics and game journalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got fired from, um, was it GameSpot? Mm-hmm. Because he gave a, sh a shitty, he gave like a low review score to Kane and Lynch, and they were like, as the site was like advertising the game all over. <laughs> yeah, that was so <laughs> fucking. Fu that's like so fucked up and funny at the same time, and it's like that. That really should have sparked off the ethics and game journalism thing, not a woman, like <laughs> having a relationship with like. Uh, a games journalist or something. I can't. I don't even know. It was just like some guy who just like got dumped, right? Yeah, it was the guy who got dumped who basically did the most insane, like I don't know, takedown package to to every site on the internet. Mm -hmm. And what's his name? That shithead from Firefly, who's like a big conservative now. Um, I don't remember the name of the characters in Firefly. I just know he's from Firefly. But that guy like really latched onto it and blew it up and called it Gamergate and um, perpetuated all these lies about her, like the relationship uh, with the game journalist that did that never happened. That like there was no evidence of, and it was just Adam Baldwin. Like, that's the guy. That's the guy. He yeah, played Jane Cobb. So. A fucking Firefly dude <laughs> is the reason it became the whole oh thing. Oh my god. You know what's extremely fucking funny about Adam Baldwin? Like, do you remember, like, he was on a, an other, another show, um, Chuck? Do you remember that show? Where it was like, no. he, he, like, saw some sort of thing that, like, programmed his brain to make him, like, a super spy? It was pretty mm -hmm. dumb. But, like, Adam Baldwin... <laughs> The origin of like his uh his politics, like his libertarian politics, is he fucking played like a, a super libertarian CIA agent in Chuck, and he was like, "Yeah, that's when I started getting into it." 
<laughs> oh god i know wow. it's like what a fucking what a fucking moron <laughs> oh. i i respect nick offerman for like being the exact opposite of his character yeah you know he's like he like plays like these this serious like libertarian and like in reality he's just like a huge theater kid you know what i mean yeah it's just like it's I it's so much better than Adam Baldwin. Shit, fuck. Sorry, this is like such a tangent. <laughs> it's fun. I didn't know about about his role in Gamergate. That's uh that's dumb as hell. It it is not surprising that that whole thing has been distorted to hell and back. Mm. So, let's get into like the actual bugs now. So, Reese, you've been compiling all these fucking bugs for us. Uh, I'd like to get us started off with something near and dear to my heart, mm-hmm. uh, which is the the first image in the in our Trello compilation uh, from Jera. Don't pick a circumcised penis if you are a male V. It locks you out of romance options, and characters will mock you in the game. <laughs> I can't believe this is even a thing, but it's true. It's truly bizarre. CDPR would let such a seemingly minor choice for a game to play a role in the narrative pretty low by cdpr imo and uh this is a lie <laughs> this is just somebody <laughs> fucking lying uh but i love it and so this is from the i don't even know who fucking debunked this but this is a clip from an article no players aren't locked out of any romance option in cyberpunk if they choose to have a circumcised penis uh, I'm gonna start making this same lie up about every game that yes! I want to discredit. I can't believe Halo Infinite punishes you for having a circumcised penis. <laughs> I, I wish that was in the game. That that would be that would be inspired for a yeah. game like this that is so obsessed with you know genitalia in general. Uh-huh. Just to have a side quest about you feeling bad about your disgusting penis. Yes. Um. Yeah, like oh my god, like there should be a fucking intactivism. There should be a whole <laughs> fucking intactivism faction <laughs> the whole thing. Oh in the game. <laughs> and it just sort of like you have to attach weights to your penis to, to regrow your foreskin. This would be uh. this would be game of the year. Absolutely. A game of the year with bugs and all, like seriously. Absolutely. Just, just give me my my foreskin regeneration mission. Just like you have to, you have to break into some science lab. There's like they're keeping it from the people, and then just like find the cream that regenerates your foreskin, uh, and then like have some sort of weird side effect where it like grows foreskin on other body parts, <laughs> and then you have to fix that. Oh, uh, what I'm saying is like as. As journalists, we can make quests for video games. Definitely. That's yeah. True. Way better than that, any of these whatever our... shitty quests they have. Like, fucking foreskin all over your body. Like, you got foreskin on your hands. Foreskin on your feet. <laughs> I think that if you want to show that you're a truly next-gen game, then before the characters mock you, the like, the controller or something needs to be able to scan your actual penis. Determine <laughs> <laughs> if you're circumcised or not. <laughs> exactly it's got to be real all right so related to this uh from r slash small dick problems just played cyberpunk 2077 the smallest quote-unquote penis option still over five inches oh <laughs> that's just sad 
bad. You know. <laughs> that it it would be uh, again amazing if one of the options was just to give yourself a tiny dick. A I mean, you were able to. You were able to. There was a slider in Saints Row, wasn't there? Yeah. So uh, it's uh, to step backward is all I'm saying. I mean, really, like the character customization. I I mean, obviously, still haven't played the game, but it's hard to beat like the genital slider from Saints Row. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that should be the standard, I think, though, yeah. for all games. If Halo Infinite comes out and I'm not able to give like Master Chief just like a fucking watermelon-sized package. I fucking got fucking sending a death threat to to Microsoft uh, in Minecraft. In the inverse of this, I saw tweets mm-hmm. where they were complaining that from women complaining that they couldn't give themselves boobs higher than a bigger than a C cup, and they were like, oh. "I want massive double D's, you piece of shit video." Game. <laughs> Nobody's happy with this. I mean, rolling right into the the same topic, there's the fucking bug that has your penis clipped through your fucking clothes <laughs> that was right so your dick just like it's just like clipping through your fly like this little floppy sausage oh my god just saying hello just hey yeah i really like the one um where uh the game apparently has people who use wheelchairs oh my god and- yeah <laughs> but they have the ai of a normal fucking person so if you punch them they'll just like They'll jump up and go into like the cowering animation and then run away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're just like fucking Jesus. You just lay on hands and immediately they're cured. No, <laughs> the game the game is very pro- progressive. You don't necessarily uh, aren't totally immobile if you have a wheelchair, and it's just representing that for every person <laughs> in a wheelchair. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Kay? It, it, it's kind of a confusing thing because it shows on the one hand that no like thought or effort went into it, so it's also mm-hmm. like, why even put it in the fucking game then? I don't, I don't know. I mean, the this it's like the whole story down of this game is that they've been like before it released, they were trying to like tamp down a little bit on like the sort of reactionary edge that had been like given to like the positive coverage of the game. So they were trying to be like more inclusive and like address issues with people's complaints about like their trans representation in the game. But it's all like so surface level and like slipshod. It's just like they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's put people with wheelchairs in the game for representation. And it's just like, what about the AI? Oh, they just they just sit there. They don't fucking do anything. Yeah. But if you punch you if you punch them, they have the exact same AI as anyone else. So it's like, as far as I'm aware, they can they even move in the wheelchairs? I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, I don't even know. They might have just fucking shoved this in like a few days before release just to like, you know, be like, oh, we can get some PR for this. Yeah. Like it feels so disrespectfully careless. Yeah. Everything that about it would have been game. Not do it. We talked about like the fucking like the brain dances that give you fucking seizures before, but like yeah. <laughs> I I do not think uh it's hard I I do not think any consideration for disabled people is put into this game. Like no at all like holy shit it it all seems very surface level just re- reactions to to what they hear like i i think that they saw all the flack they were getting for their uh, transphobic messaging and mm. they just slapped that trans pride sticker on the truck, on the truck yeah. uh, that you can yeah. neither, that I, that is just like there forever that you 
you, you can't choose to do it or not do it. It's just if you win the races, you're trans now. It's like okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> um, I mean that is yeah. that is uh, real to life. Mm-hmm. That is what happens. Yeah, if you win any races, Ooh, I just said NASCAR drivers. They'll they'll tell you. They'll confirm. <laughs> yeah, I posted in chat my favorite bug. I know it's a uh, it's not a visual medium, but mm. I would like to uh, propose this for the uh, thumbnail <laughs> for one of the two. Is there a pole dancer doing her whole routine, you know, going upside down and sliding around oh. on the pole, but her head remains like fixed in the same fixed, staring straight ahead, like not moving or responding and so she looks like she's a fucking snake person <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a it looks like a fucking demonic possession is what it looks like it really is it really looks like this is like if you go to the like lust punishment in hell this is what you're greeted with like this is what you like motherfucker well you're gonna <laughs> suffer in the strip club of hell forever <laughs> The stripper's heads turn around and start shooting bees out. <laughs> oh my fucking god. One of the wildest fucking things I've seen is that if you shoot your gun and at like just at like the floor and like a big crowd, and then you do a 360, they fucking disappear. They just yeah. blink out of existence. And there's like this video, another video um by Valentina posted where they just like get up to like these these cops and then they they point their guns at at them and then they just fucking disappear in front of them i i think we really need to emphasize just how like facile the open world elements seem to be yeah i and it drives me crazy when open like they have an open world but they really don't seem to make use of it other than set dressing that was honestly like my biggest problem with LA Noir is that you had like this, oh, 1940s LA, isn't that really neat? Wouldn't you like to the get immersed in that? And it's like, well, unless you like driving cars and <laughs> trying to find wherever they hid like all these old automobiles, you're really not gonna have anything to do because they didn't flesh out the world like at all outside of missions. Yeah, I always wondered why it was even open world. Like, I like the detective-y bits, like mm-hmm. the you know, the actual missions, but yeah, mm-hmm. it just seemed like pure tediousness. Yeah, the like... The whole open world, just going around it. Saints Row 2 has, like, an infinitely better open world than L.A. Noir, despite being made, like... I, I think it was earlier. And it's like, it's not even supposed to be, like, this atmospheric setting, but you can do so many more... You can interact so much more with the world as it exists than the fucking L.A. Noir, And I'm getting really off topic, so. No, I, I, I like where this is going. We should put this, the, the L.A. Noir uh, quest into Saints Row. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. So you can sit there with yes. your massive freakish dong. Yes, uh, your massive dong, <laughs> like your giant yeah. you, in lingerie wearing like a, an, an animal mascot head. You know. Yeah, with a giant dildo sword. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> my my 1940s giant dildo sword uh i love it exactly <laughs> uh, i just wanted to touch on um the bug from left this thought where the the cop disappears mm-hmm. what i love so much about it is that it, the user walks up to the to the cop the cop points the gun at them and is like 
are you listening to me? And then immediately disappears. <laughs> it's, and like it's like, like <laughs> it's like those memes where they just suddenly cut to like them lying on the floor. It's like, ah, and it just like echoes slightly. You know, like, if that was purposeful in any other game, I would think that that was a surrealist masterpiece. Right, like the way yeah. it's timed and like works, it's incredible. <laughs> oh, and then there's a oh, here's one of the fucking best ones. Um, from uh at Metallic Gear ninety six posted a video of them where they like they throw a grenade, it hangs in the air. And then they realize they're not seeing their hands anymore and they can't throw anything. And then they look down at their shadow and they're T-posing in first person. <laughs> I've never seen that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. My, my other favorite is the one uh, from Discordian Kitty where they're just hanging out on the street and then just like in a, the distance a car just like flies directly towards them like from the horizon. <laughs> like a fucking action film like it's flipping yeah, over it's, in the air and it's heading straight yeah. towards their face yeah oh fuck yeah that one was fucking good oh actually speaking of dildos i can't believe i didn't think of this earlier but there's a this is an article from kotaku cd project is adjusting cyberpunk's 2077's distracting amount of dildos from Nathan Grayson. <laughs> the first time I froze. <laughs> the first time I, this no, like we were talking about how they're not real journalists. This is real this journal. journalism. <laughs> this, is, this is poetry. This isn't a journalist. This is a poet, right? Exactly. Here. It's beautiful. The first time I stepped out of my character's apartment in Cyberpunk, I expected to be greeted by a vast world of machine-powered possibility. Instead, I found a dildo. It was sitting next to a random NPC's foot in my apartment building, <laughs> near a discarded magazine and some other trash. That's weird, I thought. Then I looked up and saw two additional dildos perched on a nearby banister, <laughs> positioned between two conversing NPCs who did not seem to be aware of their presence. That too is weird, I thought. In my time with Cyberpunk Sense, I have stumbled across many, many, many more dildos. I've taken to documenting every single one I come across. I have screenshotted 29 dildos. They come in two main varieties. The common studded dildo, the lowly street pigeon of Cyberpunk's vast dildo underground, and the rarer Pylomancer 3000, a utensil of truly formidable size and girth. You can pick them up and either turn them into crafting parts or sell them for a few bucks. They have no use beyond this. Oh. Some have been in sex shops and clubs, places where dildos don't seem so out of place. Others have been on street corners, in restaurants, in chop shops where human beings get assembled for parts. And of course, scattered amongst garbage, which is pretty much everywhere. I love the idea that in this universe, homeless people, instead of like collecting empty cans... To return. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Just a floating cyberpunk shopping cart, just filled with horse dildos. <laughs> go to the, the recycler so he can get wasted. Man, it's like fucking. It's like an alternate reality version of a Fallout, where instead of bottle caps, they just have like bad dragon dildos. It's <laughs> like the the fucking main <laughs> currency. I thought this was supposed to be dystopian. Oh, I guess it's utopian. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. 
May the second re oh fuck there's so many like I don't know if I'm gonna read the whole thing but like just the it's so fucking funny yeah whoever wrote that was clearly having a lot of fun with it you love to see it <laughs> so they they literally having to adjust the number of patch notes reduced dildo spawn rate is gonna be it's it's gonna it's be an old timer of a patch note <laughs> <laughs> fuck oh that's beautiful. Man. So they must have like had it just in the mix for like general clutter that could spawn. Exactly. That's what yeah. they, they said. It's just it's part of the the loot table of random spawns. Yeah, that's already kind of weird. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I I guess it kind of makes sense that you'd occasionally see them around. It's just sort of something funny, like seeing a used condom on the street. Uh dildos are expensive though. Yeah. Compared to a condom. You know, it's sort of one use you toss it kind of thing. Like in people's <laughs> houses and shit, no problem. But just like on the street, like what the fuck? Uh, I think this is good, actually. This is <laughs> just, just scolding people, just being like, "That's a good dildo you're throwing away. Perfectly good dildo. <laughs> you think dildos grow on trees? I'm taking this and I'm bringing it to a loving home. You, <laughs> you don't deserve it. <laughs> just you don't deserve the Philomancer three thousand. <laughs> 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 a premium grade girthy dildo. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, and then, like, here's a here's something we should probably discuss. This is from Gareth Damian Martin at Jump Over the Age, which they raise a good point about how the amount of fucking massive bugs there are are covering up like fundamental gameplay flaws. And I think we, as we touched on. The, the fucking AI is, like, non-existent. One of the examples they use is, take the game's traffic. No one apart from the player can drive a bike. Why? Well, after a little testing, it becomes obvious that drivers have no AI to speak of, they cannot navigate around an obstacle, and will often freeze in the face of an obstacle. They are literally mindless. Surely this leads to constant gridlock. Well, no, because explicitly aware of this, CDPR have made every stopped car disappear if you look away. Really. That way... Oh my god, the car keeps following their paths and any blockages are cleared up. This is not a bug. <laughs> this is a specifically designed engineered solution to a massive gap in the game's feature set and turns out pedestrians behave the same way fire a gun in a crowded street everyone ducks turn 360 the game will unload every cowering pedestrian so these elements were seemingly passed off as bugs in reviews as journalists rush through to hit deadlines and understandably assuming that such issues we fixed the fix for these things is implementing an entirely new system so it literally shipped without, like, any NPC AI. Yeah. Like, maybe, I, I'm sure the combat, the combat AI works. Like, if you're fighting somebody, they don't just disappear. But for well, any, like, pedestrians and cars, they just fucking vanish. I mean, there's, there's lots of combat footage where you're fighting and they forget that they're fighting. And then just turn into regular NPCs. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually is true. That oh they vanish. God. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's really hard to make a video game. Everything I I saw um, throughout my life about making a video game is present, and they just they just released it. I think it is credit to every other video game that is not cyberpunk that they managed to not do this. 
I know, um, right? Because it's extremely embarrassing <laughs> that uh, how how it's just like how much they hyped it up, how shitty they were in hyping it up. That's what makes it different to me is how shitty they mm-hmm. were about it. And mm-hmm. then you know, it's just very very silly, you know, to to call this the cutting edge. Yeah, and it's like yeah. set, like GTA has had this like GTA three at least like this has been a thing in games. For ages, the games that came out like twenty years ago had shit. This shit, and it's yeah. it's wild to me that this is like triple A, ten out of ten, game of the year, <laughs> and it doesn't even have AI for the NPCs. Like, what the fuck? No, it's fucked. Ugh. And um, there has to have been a conversation at at some point, probably many conversations, where somebody in charge in this company was like, okay we we want it done by this day and then someone probably tried to tell him that's absolutely fucking impossible you know i imagine it playing out like the fucker thinks he's in a movie and he's like uh someone's like i i would need three months to do that and he's like you got three hours Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) except like no i i need three months to do that (laughs) so shit just didn't get done this was probably the best the devs could do with the managing that yeah. they had to deal with. You know, if you only have like a very finite, finite amount of resources to make the traffic work and it's supposed to be this like immersive world, you're just like, well, maybe we can get away with just having the cars disappear and having no AI there because this is not something that we can do. And then, the, yeah. you know, that's the same scenario for literally everything. I'm like, well, we could use a dildo pass. It's like, uh, we don't got time for the dildo pass. <laughs> like, these guys uh, know how to make a game, you know? They have the people and the skills necessary to make this into a game. So, like, it's it's pretty clear that the, this, was, this was gross mismanagement, at least uh, in some part. And uh, it, it's... Funny's not the word, but mm. it is kind of funny that the CD Projekt Red took the PR hit of doing all this god-awful crunch bullshit and still put out an unfinished game. They didn't even get it done after all that. It's lose-lose. Everyone thinks you're a shitty company who treats their workers like shit. Your workers are going to fucking resent you. And everyone uh, also thinks you suck and can't, like, finish a game. It's not good. There, there was a thread from the Zen of Game Design guy. I don't know if you saw saw that. But he was talking about how... The reality is for almost every company is that crunch is is the option that you have in the end to get the game going. So that's why so many people lean on it. And even well-managed games tend to have some. You just shouldn't, you know, kill your employees with it. Um, yeah. Not to defend it, of course, but just saying that's the reality. He said what Cyberpunk did that is so despicable is that they just had planned crunch like throughout from the start. You know, yeah. because that just yeah. shows that they're just not thinking about it and not connected to the actual making of a video game, but some other sort of whatever the monsters in business think to, to make their money. The Epstein-style yeah. pedophiles that probably yeah. are in charge <laughs> of CD Projekt. Yeah. Uh, I just assume that, like, every, every CEO is, like, on a, on, in the Black Book somewhere. Probably. Oh, yeah. It's a thing that I think gets... Um missed about crunch sometimes is when you have workers it's this is true of anything but probably especially of something that it is more intellectually taxing like uh like something like coding 
you get a diminishing return from people after a certain point. Somebody yeah. working for 12 hours is not working at the capacity that they were for like the first four hours for that whole time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why crunch, it is something that is, uh, they fall back on a lot as like a last resort, a lot of companies, but like that's, you're on the back foot if you're resorting to crunch, because that means that you're getting less productive, less efficient hours out of people you're getting the t at the 12th hour when they're putting together the loot tables somebody accidentally added an extra zero <laughs> on the value yeah. for dildos and suddenly yeah uh, night city is just chock-a-block with cock <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's always better to have two eight-hour days instead of one 16-hour day like yeah those you're getting you know a full night's sleep and everything else in between your work will be better you're gonna get a better per hour rate out of that person of of, of output like to plan from the start They're even bad at exploiting people for their labor yeah like yeah like <laughs> capitalism has just reached the point where it's just sort of like make workers suffer button it's just <laughs> yeah. all the response they have to like workplace issues they don't yeah. even have like any proper management. They're not like this lie, like, oh, capitalism is the most efficient process possible. We work people till they fucking keel over from stress. You know, it's like less efficient and less quality than if they had just like, I don't know, take given it an extra year. Like nobody yeah. fucking like, I, I know people just jerking themselves off to the point where they like died of dehydration about this game, but yeah. <laughs> like it's a game they don't they don't need it and it's like they've clearly made enough money from like the witcher 3 and their other publishing shit like they're not strapped for cash like gog mm -hmm. is one of the biggest fucking platforms for games there is because it's you know it's actually a genuinely good service in comparison to a lot of other sites and it's mm -hmm. like they, they didn't have to do this but they did and now they are reaping the whirlwind, so to speak. <laughs> well, that's what's so <laughs> frustrating is their your one job as a manager of a certain level is just to get the most basically labor power per hour out of every worker. And they, they fucked it. They completely fucked it. That was their one job that they're probably getting a fat fucking salary for doing. Mm -hmm. And they fucked it. And now, like, the whole company has to take this hit. Like... Probably right now there are heads rolling like in boardrooms. I really shit. hope so. Like the management of CD Projekt seems like fucking dog shit. Like it does. Yeah. Even on fucking The Witcher Three, it's a miracle it was as good as it was. To be honest, because yeah, you hear the fucking horror stories of how they like completely burned out interns and just like just treated them as like disposable. You know, we talked about it in the previous episode, and it, yeah, it's better than it has a right to be. To be honest with you. <laughs> And it's like, they thought that they could get away with it. And the, the reality is they lucked out the first time. Yeah, mm -hmm. they totally got away with it the first time. Yeah. So yeah. now it's just like, maybe, hopefully, they'll learn their error of their ways. But I'm not holding my breath. Because yeah. uh, CEOs of large companies tend to have a reputation of being notoriously shitty and dumb. Yeah, plus they made their money. Exactly. We said so earlier, in the first two days, they made back uh, their whole uh, development budget, they said, right? So it's all, yeah. it's all fucking profit now, um, depending whether marketing is considered part of that development budget. It's all fucking profit. So 
they're not going to learn from this because I, I feel like there's a decent chance they're going to be looking at this and saying, well, you know, financially, pretty fucking nice. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's all they care about. That's, a, that's the thing that, you know, I, I brought up before is like this system, it makes everyone who's not at the top suffer. Like somebody is going to yeah. suffer. Like the, the dev team suffers. Like the fucking players suffer, you know? You know, obviously their suffering is like, oh no, the video game is bad. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, I... Their suffering is getting conned out of $60 or yeah. whatever. Yeah. The fuck. That that is basically the the suffering of like anyone who like was like oh this looks neat I'll buy it uh, on release because I I'm a fan of RPGs and I like The Witcher Three and hopefully mm -hmm. they didn't buy into like this huge hype around it but still given their pedigree you would expect something much better yeah but it's like the people at the top I don't think they're gonna change CEOs or anything like that I don't think they're gonna like completely clear out their board of directors to try and get a team that doesn't fuck things up as nearly as bad. You know, yeah. I think uh, nothing will be learned. That is my. I mean, how that is what I think? <laughs> yeah. How many huge dramas has Ubisoft had, and they've had the same little fucking French prick CEO for like, I don't know, twenty years. Mm -hmm. I, I, mean, I do think that it is the most severe one of these that we've had with PlayStation uh, delisting it and just the truly massive amount of refunds i'm I've, I've heard about and the stock going down but i don't think mm. that means that the people at the top are going to learn anything i think that they are all having a massive fist fight for the loot that's still there on the table and if whatever is left if there's any financial problems for the company all that's going to mean is that people are going to get fired you know, there's going to be downsizing. Mm. There's going to be uh, even more crunch for their next project. You know, how much pressure are on people right now to uh, fix the uh, the game? Because they're talking yeah. about they're going to have a massive January patch that's going to fix the, all the things people are complaining about. You know, they're down there with whips. And the people yeah. there are working, saying, if this goes under, the CEO... Uh, isn't gonna suffer it's you know the guy who designs the dildos mm. <laughs> yeah they're definitely crunching right now like fixing all these problems yeah it's kind of a depressing takeaway but it's hard to see like the only positive outcome i think the the one thing i think that this might hopefully do like as we mentioned in the previous episode is shake some people out of this hype cycle. I know it's not going to be everyone. I know there's like when prophecy fails, there's always a, a portion of people who just fucking stick with it and double down and shit like that. But the other part of like when prophecy fails is that what they realize is that, you know, some people did leave when the fucking thing mm -hmm. failed. It's not yeah. everyone just fucking falls for it. So hopefully this will be stand as like an eternal lesson to people. I hope too that this paves the way for you know increasingly better infrastructure for the uh, various efforts to do game workers unionization. Yeah, um, because really that is what's necessary to avoid these kind of things. So you know when the game dev goes in there, they already know and have it you know um, legally bound what they're going to get for the work they're going to do. So it mm -hmm. doesn't matter 
you know, if the game goes under, you know, they can just say, it's just like, well, I'm set, you know, these, these financial concerns that you took upon yourselves, top guys, those are your problems. And I'm coming in and I'm going to do my best for my eight hours. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to take my fucking vacation away from Poland. <laughs> I also have that mandated. Listen, if the 500 odd workers at CD Projekt Red are not currently discussing unionization after all of that, then they are massive cucks and <laughs> bullied by everyone. Oh my god. Like, now's the fucking time. If ever there was a time, it's right now. You have to do this. Everyone who you work with, if you're part of that company, is gonna be thinking about it right about now. Have exactly. that conversation. Like, you have to. I don't assume anybody here knows that much about Polish culture, but I am curious, just speculation big I've fan of screen doors of... i've heard <laughs> <laughs> i heard a lot of a lot of discussion that there's like a pretty ugly right-wing surge going on in poland right now yeah, there is uh, yeah. and i'm curious to what degree you know that interacts with the the culture with the stuff that we're talking about not necessarily that means that these are all you know right-wing fascists as well um, I'm sure there's one or two, and I just and I and I just really wonder like what the culture is like in there. Um, I don't know. I, I I have no idea. I'm not trying to paint them as one way or the other. I just wonder to what degree that has an effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it probably does. Um, it definitely it... does. I mean, we've talked about before how the demographics of who creates video games heavily influences like the politics of like the office space so like this was a long time ago so i can't remember it exactly but like the fact that so many game devs are like middle class white men has a huge impact on the fact that you know none of them probably grew up like even talking about unionization they probably all got yeah. like the same anti-union propaganda that like you know my parents did um like and anyone mm -hmm. like even moderately well off that doesn't come with, like the like six families in the United States that still have <laughs> their parents in a union, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, all they ever hear about them is like the negative things. And they're like, Oh no, no, we just need to work with our, our managers and they'll, they'll sort things yeah. out. You know, it's like, they have no reference point for like even moderate, like radical politics, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's why I hope that shit like this will be used by fucking someone involved in any of these companies to, like, agitate a bit and be like, hey, isn't there a pretty uh, clear power imbalance here that is not only fucking us over, but making, like, the end product worse? That doesn't seem good, does it? Yeah. Like, I don't know. And, and you're quite right to bring up Poland uh, having quite a right-wing bent in a lot of ways. So, yeah, for all I know all these fuckers might just be licking the fucking boss's boot right now, being like, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't work for more than 18 hours because I fucking passed out. Like, <laughs> uh, at least according to the article we read from Jason Schreier, that's uh, talking about how it, it's almost open rebellion. Although that was in the LA office, I think. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another thing I'm not clear on, is how many of these guys are in LA? Like, what's the distribution here? Like, how many of these fuckers are in Poland? I don't even really get, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm speculating from a distance. I don't know what their company structure is like at all. I think, I think the bulk of the actual game devs are in Poland. Right. And then there's, there's a, an American office 
to you know interface with you know the the markets or whatever over here like a localization well, team at least well i hope the polish guys are getting fucking mad too because they have good reason to be exactly i think we've covered uh cyberpunk pretty well hopefully until dead and buried yeah until there's like another like 15 articles about shit going down because of it <laughs> which is just inevitable but won't be long yeah so we'll, we'll turn <laughs> back to this at some point when we feel like it when there's just been another insane amount of things that come out that we can't ignore but mm -hmm. uh until then let's go ahead and uh let's go ahead and plug our stuff so reese where can people find you on the internet you can find me at your very good bud on twitter and you should go to my link there to my youtube where sometimes i post things all right excellent k where can people find you online yeah on the on the web or nets you can find me on youtube at k and skittles uh where i make video essays you can find me on twitter also at k and skittles and i have another podcast called agab pod which you can find also on twitter that's a little secret for you yes and you can find our main account at vigatwato on twitter uh, you can find our website at videogamesaretheworst.pinecast.co, um, where you can. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> where you can see all the latest episodes, get the RSS feeds for the the show, and then you know go to the Apple iTunes podcast store and the Google podcast store, and you can find us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash where a dollar a month gets you access to our premium episodes where we finally fucking recorded some new shit with K that's going to come out uh, eventually. <laughs> um, eventually. Yeah, where we talk about, we usually, we like to record a, our, our, like the secondary show called Video Games Are Okay Maybe where we talk about the games that we've played and what we actually enjoyed about gaming that month basically um so this was a big that was a big one that's a two-parter just like this episode so go check that out uh also you unlock some of our previous ones like our jeffrey epstein discussion video and m my favorite episode of all time uh the mountain dew horror stories <laughs> where you can hear <laughs> horrific things that have happened to our bodies because of if you ever if you ever wanted ammo to own us with, yes, pay that dollar. Listen to that episode. <laughs> it's a good one. All right. So you can find me at 8alton8 on Twitter. Uh, and you can find my YouTube at AltonPlays. And I think that's pretty much it. Farewell, everybody. Yeah. See you, cyberjackers, in the netverse. <laughs> <laughs>